if we want to build a truly limitless internet of value, internet of rollups, it has to be trustless. So all the bridges must be ZK, and that means that all the chains participating in this network have to be ZK chains. This is our vision for hyperscalability. The ZK EVM is here. It's on mainnet. David, we've got the episode. Announcement just went out as we are pressing publish on this episode. What are we talking about today? We are talking about ZK Sync era. The mainnet is live as of right now. So we got the two people from the ZK Sync team. We got Alex Glukowski, who's been with ZK Sync since forever, co-founder and CEO of Matter Labs, the team behind ZK Sync. We also got Anthony. Anthony is the new head of engineering, which uh, is a very ambitious role as it relates to ZK stuff. That sounds challenging. We're going to walk through what this announcement is. What does it mean for a ZK EVM to go live? In the era of bank Failures, we have a new era for Ethereum, at least that is what the ZK Sync is saying, uh, along with their ZK Sync era chain. Uh, so that is the announcement. We're going to get into all these details and more so you can be informed about what this new frontier of Ethereum is. Yes, this is the frontier of the frontiers, and that's where we're headed today. Hey, David, before we get in, got to do a shout out. This one's for the devs. We got a, a, a special announcement for the devs sponsored by our friends over at David. Uh, before we get in, we have some disclosures to make. Of course, you can mm-hmm. always find all of our disclosures on our disclosure page at bankless.com slash disclosures. Just want to let the Bankless audience know we are advisors to ZK Sync. We are uh, friends of the project. Um, we believe in its mission. We believe in scaling Ethereum through ZK EVMs. That is not why they're on the podcast today. They're on the podcast today Mm -hmm. because they built something. They launched something really big. David, what should folks pay attention to going to this episode? This is truly a new frontier. We all know what a roll-up is. We have experienced these roll-ups with Polygon, Arbitrum, and Optimism. These are a different kind of roll-up. This is a new unlock. And so uh, simply put, ZK EVM, ZK roll-ups have more scale. But if you just think that they are optimistic roll-ups with more scale, you're going to miss the forest for the trees. And that is a conversation that we have in this episode. There are specific and unique new use cases that these ZK roll-ups, the ZK EVMs unlock that are not unlocked by optimistic rollups. And so this is a this is a new frontier. There are there's new treasure out here. There are new things to build. There's new optionality for devs to build cool new things that optimistic rollups, even though we love them as much as we do, just don't offer. Uh, and so as you are listening to this episode, dear listener, perhaps dev listener, uh, try to identify what those new opportunities lie. And we name some specific ones, but really it's up to your imagination because right now, many new ZK EVMs are coming online. They are all relatively blank slates of opportunity. Uh, and we've we've played this game before. We all remember, maybe not all of us, but I remember a time when Ethereum was just a layer one. Uh, and now there's been a bunch of layer two, uh, layer two opportunities Uh, Now we get to experience that all over again with the ZK EVM revolution, with ZK Sync leading the charge. Uh, So, Ryan, that is my long rant about what listeners should pay attention to in this episode. Yeah, here you go, guys. We told you Layer 2 summer was coming. We've been telling you for two years. It's here. How do we know that? Because we're shipping to mainnet. That's how you know. Go try this out. Of course, there'll be some risks in the episode. You can listen to that. But uh, this is an opportunity for you to get on board to the ZK EVM platform. Guys, we're going to get right to the episode. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this possible, including our number one recommended crypto exchange, 
Bankless Nation, we are here with the Matter Labs team, Matter Labs, the creators of ZK Sync. We got Alex Glukowski, the co-founder and CEO of Matter Labs. He has been on the podcast before. Alex, welcome back to the show. Hi, David. Hi, Ryan. Hi, hello, everyone. Pleasure to be here. And new to Bankless, we have Anthony Rose. Anthony Rose is the head of engineering at Matter Labs and has a background in software and machine learning. Interestingly enough, prior to joining Matter Labs, Anthony spent a number of years in the industry building teams at SpaceX, but pretty cool that we snagged him for the crypto world. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, very happy to be here. So we always love frontier metaphors here at Bankless. And with this announcement that we're going to walk through today, we have discovered a new frontier to explore. Can you guys walk us through the announcement of what you guys are dropping today? What, what is the big news? Uh, well, the ZK Sync era, the, uh, our ZKVM solution is now open to the users. Everyone can now start using it. It's a consummation of the launch, which took a, a very long time, but that's also the beginning of, of the new journey. And that's that. All right. We're, we're, we're wrapped. <laughs> the, the network is live. <laughs> it's here. It's fine. Okay, but what, what does this mean? Alex, kind of walk us through the significance of this. Can you kind of place this into perhaps even like Ethereum's history? Why, why is this a significant thing, both for Matter Labs and ZK Sync? And why is this significant for Ethereum at large? I genuinely think it's significant for Ethereum as a large because ZK VMs have been considered the uh, holy grail of scaling Ethereum from, from the inception of this concept. Uh, it took a very long time. It, people thought it's going to take much longer. Uh, but here we are. And, uh, this is really the, the pivotal point for Ethereum where the real mass adoption with like full preservation of all the things that make Ethereum valuable really begins. We, we will talk about those things, but this is where, uh, you know, we, there is by now, I think, a broad consensus that zero-knowledge um, tech, ZKRO specifically, and, and more specifically ZKVMs, is this path into the future, and, and it has multiple reasons. And there's also a new name for this network. Can you walk us through this uh, new brand for, for ZK Sync? Uh, yes, we, we, we really think it's a new era for humanity where uh, you can uh, fully own yourself, your assets, your identity, all of your transactions, so for us, uh, we started ZK Sync four years ago with the, uh, from day one, there was a mission there. We want to accelerate the mass adoption of crypto. We love the ideas from Bitcoin. We love Ethereum. Uh, we love those technologies because they open humanity to more freedom. It gives you the ability to, to actually, you know, uh, transact with anyone in the world without barriers, without asking for permission, without banks without any kind of intermediaries. And um, it was revolutionary. It's for the first time in history that we, we have these technologies of global scale cooperation without the trust assumptions. And for me, the question was like, how, how can we bring it to anyone in the world? What needs to happen to get there? And it was clear that a few things must be changed or must be invented and implemented. Uh, we, we had a long way to improve the UX, People had to build applications. People ha had to build wallets and all the infrastructure around the crypto. Uh, but there was this one technical problem of scaling, which seemed impossible from the point of view of technologies that we had four years ago. And when, when, I, when I stumbled upon the, uh, the idea of ZK proofs, uh, succinct zero knowledge proofs, or better call them proofs of computational integrity or SNARKs, uh, it was this aha moment where like, I thought, wow, 
this could be it. This like it feels like magic, like not not clear why it works, but it works, and you can really verify any number of transactions with a single lightweight hardware like your cell phone or a full node or Raspberry Pi. And uh, there is no limit. You can you can you, know, you do one verification, all the blocks, all the transactions are processed. So you you're not breaking out of the blockchain, or you're you are breaking out of the blockchain dilemma. You're you're not introducing new trust assumptions. You don't have to trust anyone. You still verify everything, uh, but in a trustless way. So the new name is called uh, ZK Sync Era. That's what uh, you, you are launching with. And uh, certainly we are living in an interesting era and interesting times. Um, David and I have done so many podcasts this week, and I think we will next week and probably the weeks to come, about uh, a bank crisis that seems to be going on in the United States and Europe and other parts of the world. Uh, we're not sure how far this will spread or what all of the implications are. We're still trying to unpack that, as is everyone else. Um, but the root of it is kind of a, a, you know, a meta banking crisis that we will probably never be able to resolve in the existing banking system. And that is, we cannot verify transactions. We don't know if the dollars in our account are actually backed or what they're backed by. This is the, the promise of something like a technology like Ethereum. Uh, the reason Ethereum has fallen short on living up to that promise so far is it hasn't been scalable as of yet. Although a lot of talented engineers have been working on that, including Matter Labs. And now here we have a ZK EVM launching on-chain on mainnet and available with the next stage of that promise uh, being fulfilled for Ethereum. And I gotta say, while um, the world is kind of on fire in various ways, uh, crypto is silently building this new scalable infrastructure that we hope, and I know you guys hope, can onboard the world into this bankless money system. So um, congrats and thank you for shipping. And this is hugely, it's, it's, it's a monumental event that we have a ZK EVM in production on mainnet. Uh, and uh, you guys have been doing fantastic work in the, in the background to make that happen. One question I have for you is um, we've talked to uh, many layer twos, um, you know, previously on Bankless. Our listeners will be familiar with this. Um, what kind of staged rollout might we see at this point? So when you guys say it's available on mainnet, it's here, uh, what does that mean? What's the user experience? Are there gates? Are there still kind of, um, you know, places that are off limits for now? Or is this fully enabled, fully permissionless, fully open? Can you talk about that for a minute? I am happy to talk about that. But before that, I just want to say thank you for, for all the good words. And I, I also want to extend this gratitude to the entire community, to all the people who were contributing work to, first of all, to all the employees of Meta Labs and all the, all the people who we worked with um, to make this happen. And to all the people who contributed to the creation of zero knowledge proofs, to the creation of Ethereum, to Bitcoin, like all of these technologies, we're standing on the shoulders of giant. Uh, of giants, uh, it's not an isolated thing. Everything is interconnected and everything is contributing to, to everyone else's work. So like, th this is really a combination of the work of the entire community. It's not just our achievement. So to the uh, user experience and what to expect from uh, from the mainnet, uh, the staged rollout is here. In fact, it started a long time ago. We launched, we deployed the existing uh, uh, mainnet contract with, with the address that, that everyone can see now. And if you look carefully at the address, you might know this interesting thing is, uh, about it. Um, half a year ago. So it was the, the, the first moment where we, we touched the mainnet uh, as we, we promised at FCC uh, back in summer. 
we started experimenting with it ourselves internally. We conducted a number of security audits and we, we a bunch of stress tests and, and a lot of things, a lot of experimentation, a lot of learnings from, from operating the mainnet. Uh, and we opened it to developers about a month ago. So the builders who registered uh, could deploy their applications, bridge their, their whatever tokens they wanted, ETH or, or ERC20 tokens, and start building and start experimenting on, on the testnet. Oh, sorry, on, on the mainnet. The testnet is, is live for, for over a year and have, has processed, uh, I think, something like 8 million transactions by now. So um, this time we are opening the gates to everyone. We, we actually started onboarding the users also two weeks ago at ETH Denver, where we uh, uh, sponsored the uh, food truck experience. So all, all the people who got the food truck tokens from Denver could use them in a very limited way, not interacting with smart contracts, but just using uh, using them to pay for food trucks, using our account abstraction um, uh, feature. Uh, but now it's it's opening to everyone. So what you can do, you can bridge your assets onto uh, ZK Sync Era. You can start interacting with projects that are live uh, from day one. Every day, we expect to see more and more projects going live. We know that the pipeline of projects uh, uh, about to deploy is much longer than I know it's currently live. And we encourage everyone to do it gradually and only move smaller amounts and, and, and do things. You know, like don't risk a lot because it's a brand new technology that has never been tested before. It has never been used in production before until now. So we we don't want to rush. We want to. Uh, you know, like to take the maximum cautious approach to this. So what 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 it means in practice for the users? Um, the basically there are no limitations except that withdrawals will be delayed by some small time frame. So the withdrawals or finalization of the blocks, rather to say, initially is going to happen after twenty four hours uh, from the moment of the block commitment. Uh, we're we soon will reduce this time to several hours, and eventually we want to get rid of it once we get rid of the word alpha in in the name of uh, of the network. Right now, it's in alpha, so the the contracts are upgradable. There is yet no no security council. Like treat it as a as a guarded, managed network that is live in production. It's fully available, no limits, but it's still in kind of this test flight mode. Okay, so the theme park is opening. Gates of the theme park park are opening. Users can go in. Uh, there are some rides there. Some of these rides might might throw you off, and like you you know might have a bad time on the roller coaster. So be careful. There's caution tape right now first. around some of these things. Only only uh, cross the line if you are an explorer. If you're on the frontier, as I know many bankless listeners are. But once they're Otherwise, there, let someone else go first. Yeah, I'll let David go first. JK, I'll be there. Uh, so, um, but but like, what can we actually do there when when we get there? So you mentioned some projects. Uh, are launching, have launched. So what are the, some of these early theme rides? I know more will be added over time, of course, but is there, you know, what would be kind of the, you know, your first recommendation on, on a project or a place to visit once folks have bridged across to ZK Sync era? Uh, I, I don't want to pick, to pick favorites. You, you just go to ecosystem.zksync.io and, and you will see the status of the project, who is live, who is not live, and you can just experiment from there. All right. Well, well, well said, we, I guess, we, like, a credibly it's, neutral it's, approach. It, yeah, I, I I wanted to emphasize like we we really we we are doing uh, 
our best to remain fully neutral from all aspects. So we we have not like we we opened the uh, the mainnet to developers with the whitelisted um, uh, registration, but we have not censored a single application. Like everyone who applied could use the the network. So it, it was more for us to, to gather contacts and to be in touch with those people, but not to prevent anyone from launching. So we're, we're following a strict fair launch approach. We're not going to pick any favorites to like push them, to make them a special case. We want to create an even playing field for everyone. This is really important. That's cool. Okay, so Anthony and Alex cannot pick favorites, but of course David and I can. So we'll go <laughs> test this out, and we'll probably release some updates in the Bankless newsletter about uh, some of our favorite places to visit. Uh, Anthony, did you want to say something too? Just I would definitely recommend taking a look at the page that uh, Alex mentioned regarding the ecosystem. There is a sort of uh, huge cross-section of the projects that many people will be familiar from Layer 1. But some of the other things that are exciting are, you know, the projects that are building sort of Layer 2 native and, you know, thinking through what you can do in an environment with, uh, you know, higher transaction throughput, much lower fees, you actually start to open up the design space for applications. Because um, we often get this question about, you know, what, what do you expect people to build at Layer 2? Um, but I feel like maybe I have a very bad imagination. But if I like rewind the clock, I don't think I would have predicted, you know, some of the really interesting things we've seen in the world of DeFi. I definitely wouldn't have predicted some of the, you know, really interesting use cases for NFTs. So, you know, for me, the exciting thing about Layer 2 is also, you know, I wonder what we'll see next and uh, some of the sort of creative ideas that you can build in an environment that like unlocks application development that isn't maybe economically prohibited in the way it might have been at layer one. Yeah. And, and Anthony, I got more of a engineering questions, but really just to drive this point home, if to, to make this just super cleanly obvious, I know we have this uh, drop down menu in MetaMask, for example, when we need to switch to Arbitrum or Optimism, and we expect to see just ZK Sync just added to that network list as soon as you add the RPC endpoint inside of MetaMask. So now, you know, Arbitrum, Polygon, Optimism, ZK Sync, the first ZK EVM to be added in in this dropdown menu. I'm excited to see that that logo there. But Anthony, uh, this is different because it's a ZK EVM, not an optimistic rollup. Optimistic rollups have the benefit of just being able to be basically clones of Ethereum, like microcosms of Ethereum. Uh, but this is different. And so as the head of engineering, I can't imagine a more intimidating job to be the head of engineering of a ZK EVM. I, I, I can think of one, David, maybe launching la launching rockets, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that is a good point. That's a good touche. Uh, so Anthony, like when Or, or maybe head of security, you know, that security is another interesting thing. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, we ha we have a, a whole entire security conversation to talk about. But as it comes to teams that are onboarding from regular old Ethereum layer one or other layer twos, what are the engineering challenges about that? Uh, what are the engineering challenges that I don't even know to ask about? Like, how big of a lift is this whole thing, and how do you expect to get new projects migrated onto zk sync? Yeah, this is a, a great question, and obviously something we think a huge amount about. Um, I would say that a lot of the uh, the way that we're thinking about this is broadly, you know, attempt to make decisions with uh, like developer first in mind. You know, obviously the engineering team, we are engineers and we think about uh, the people that we're building for. To a first approximation, I mean, are also developers, you know, we have a system that ultimately we expect the application layer to add value to, you know, eventually millions and tens of millions of users. But in terms of the design decisions that we make, the people that are probably affected most directly, particularly today, are the developers who are going to be building on ZK Sync. So we do think a lot about, uh, you know, 
uh, a good UX, and the good UX is not just uh, the user experience, but also the developer experience. So when it comes to building on ERA or migrating from, say, layer one or another uh, EVM-compatible layer two, the uh, goal is to reduce that friction as much as is possible. You know, we've invested heavily in building a compiler such that we are source code compatible that to a first approximation, most teams um, experience in terms of like, you know, migrating from layer one onto the testnet or now the mainnet has been that sort of things just worked. You know, you can take the contracts that you originally developed for, for Ethereum or for, you know, whatever other layer two it happened to be, recompile with the ZK Sync compiler and redeploy. And to a first approximation, this has been, uh, you know, it's a kind of a good and bad thing for us during the testnet phase because you want lots of feedback, but in cases where things just work, you know, the the, the experience is sometimes smooth and there's not a lot for, for developers to say. Um, there are differences though, you know, we are building a virtual machine which is uh, optimized with uh, the future in mind. You know, a lot of the design decisions that we've been making are not so much based on, you know, what's the what are the properties of the system that we want to see exist today, but really, you know, what are the design decisions that are going to allow us to extend the future in a way that makes sense where we're talking about where we really want to be, you know, projecting forward six months, 12 months, 24 months as we mature the system. You know, the version of the system that will be going live or is going live today is very much an alpha. You know, in the same uh, way that I think many teams think about building, you know, the approach that we've taken is let's build the core critical pieces of the system. Let's make design decisions today that set us up, not just for the system, you know, to make good architectural choices for the system we want to see immediately, but really provide a firm foundation on which we can like build and extend towards the future. Um, so we've extensively documented areas that I think are unique to ZK Sync and where we've made design decisions that deviate from what people might expect elsewhere. And some of these are where we've made sort of opinionated decisions that are, in our opinion, probably, uh, you know, going to provide a nice feature set for, uh, interesting and, uh, you know, powerful application development. I think native account abstraction is a good example, you know? Whereas if the idea was to just go as fast as we could to build the system and get something on mainnet, you almost certainly would have, you know, not attempted to take on a project like that, an extension like that. Uh, so for us, you know, this is a really exciting time. We have uh, sort of the culmination of two years plus of engineering work. Um, finally, you know, really, really uh, ready for, for the external world to engage with in a way that we're excited about. Um, but there's so much more to come and, you know, this is sort of one step on a very, very long journey as we really extend the system into the future. And Anthony, really just asking the bare bones, simple question, what does all of this engineering effort get us? Uh, again, we, we are familiar with Arbitrum and Optimism, but when we zoom, zoom out and look at the massive engineering lift that is a ZK EVM and we look, try and look at the forest for the trees, like transactions on Arbitrum, pretty damn cheap, you know, like these ecosystems are, are pretty live. What does the ZK part of this whole thing really unlock for us that's new and just as it relates to the user experience and user story and perhaps the applications that can also be built? Yeah, I think the the ZK part and the reason why I think I would argue this is critically important in the fullness of time is really about that trustlessness and that security, like inheriting those properties that I think broadly, you know, everyone at Matter Labs and, and probably many of the listeners, listeners, like these are the properties of Ethereum that, that resonate so deeply. And the question is, you know, how do we take on this 
serious problem, the scalability problem, without compromising these in, in any serious degree. So the proof of computational integrity, like the guarantee of the correctness of the state transition of, of the layer two, is really the thing that I think today you can point at and say this is this is a massive step forward. In the fullness of time, I think, you know, when we're talking about hyperscale, when we're talking about really, you know, uh, sort of projecting the application layer much further into the future, talking about millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of users, we believe that it is also true that the ZK, like the this uh, trustless aspect of the system, is going to provide, you know, this, uh, this future architecture that, that can support hyperscale where you can have multiple instances trustlessly able to sort of communicate and move move data or move value between them. Alex, I just have a follow-up on that too, just to um, make this crystal clear. So what can you do with a ZK EVM that you can't with an optimistic roll-up? So is it to do with fraud proofs? Is it to do with like lower transactions, uh, lower cost transactions? What is kind of like the bottom line? And if we're not here yet, what do we hope we can we can get to from kind of a, a user experience perspective? This is a great question. I would split it into two separate groups. The first group of like the first answer will cover all ZKVMs. What are ZKVMs fundamentally give you over optimistic rollups or any other scaling solutions, or specifically optimistic rollups? Because anything else but rollups doesn't really matter in, in, in the Ethereum world. Um, and the second group, the second answer will be about the specifics of like what you can get if you use the ZK technology to its maximum. So to, to answer the first one, ZK rollups basically allow you to bridge faster. Like the what, what the users will feel, like apart from security and trustlessness guarantees that you get, the tangible result of using ZK over optimistic rollups is to be able to bridge faster back to Ethereum. Uh, you don't have to wait seven days period. You don't even have to wait this 24 hours, which I mentioned before, because that's just a training wheel, which is going to be removed. You can bridge immediately. Now, you probably don't really want to bridge back a lot from, from the rollup to, to layer one, because rollups are here to enable scale. Like Layer one is going to remain for uh, very few use cases, which require some specific things to happen in the layer one context, most of users and most of application will live in the layer two space, but there will be a very important use case of bridging between the rollups. And if you are bridging between optimistic rollups or between a optimistic and ZK rollup, you always will fall back on the longest wait period. In optimistic cases, it's like the seven days. Um, and you can't really accelerate that. Like you can, you can only accelerate, uh, accelerate that by using you know like external capital using some other things that that work in, in you can't accelerate it without taking on additional risk or uh, additional, additional cost risk of or capital or capital cost requirements yes understood okay so you can't really so that that means like you you basically can't accelerate without having some trust assumptions introduced injected into the system if we want to build a truly limitless internet of value, internet of rollups, it has to be trustless. So all the bridges must be ZK, and that means that all the chains participating in this network have to be ZK chains. This is our vision for hyperscalability. 
this is probably this is a much bigger topic that will require a separate conversation, but this is long term what the what ZK attack will give you, like infiniteness or limitless of scale. But then there is the second aspect. Um, it only applies if you use um, ZKVM in a specific way. So you you might opt to be as close to Ethereum as possible and just emulate optimistic rollups. And this is what we see uh, many ZKVM projects that, that are currently existing and in, in, in development are doing. They, they are going for this, like, let's get as close as possible to this old system. Let's be backwards compatible. Let's do um, data availability management the way optimistic rollups do. Let's publish data availability for every transaction. Let's publish the inputs of transactions, for example, as, as, as one thing. And we here is where we deviate from all of them, from all the ZKVMs in existence today. Uh, we decided to look at ZK proofs and ask ourselves, like, what is what 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 can it give you if you like? What's the the, the best way you can use them? And uh, we decided, for example, that we want to um, to manage data availability by publishing the state diffs, so like the updates of the of the storage slots that a transaction touches, uh, and that gives you uh, a few very interesting properties. For one, it gives you free call data. You don't have to pay for call data for transaction inputs. Um, to like, you, you don't have to pay for data availability of this. You're only paying zero knowledge proofs, and the zero knowledge proof generation is cheap and, and is only going to get cheaper. So it's it's just a fraction of a cent. That 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 is not important. So you can have a very large input. You can process a lot of data, which is very important for such use cases as account abstraction. Because in account abstraction, you want to submit, you know, like you your you you have your user key that controls the account, but then you want to submit some limits for this transaction. You want to submit the custom signature that maybe you you signed on your iPhone in a secure enclave. Maybe you want to submit some uh, additional metadata for the um, trading routes and, and limits that you want to take on, 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 on interacting with smart contracts. All of that will come essentially for free. So that's one big gain. Second big gain is data compression. That is Imagine a use case such as Oracle updates on optimistic rollups and on ZKVMs that use this optimistic approach, optimistic rollup approach to data availability. You would have to pay data availability for each individual Oracle update. And remember, data availability is our scarcest resource. That's what all rollups share. Like there is a single limited bandwidth of data availability on Ethereum. It doesn't matter how how scalable your zk proofs are in circuits you still have to like share that and, and like all the rollups compete for this limited space so the more transactions we have they we will see the same dynamics as the transaction prices will go up uh so oracle updates you have to pay individually for each of them with optimistic approach with what we're doing you're only going to pay the final price for the for a single storage slots at the end of the huge batch so you can do the Oracle updates as frequently as you want. You can do them every second. They still will be trustless. They will still be feeding you. You can you can use a lot of Oracles, uh, but then they're going to be much cheaper. And the same thing applies to all use cases where users interact with the same contract, with the same data, or with transient data, if, for that matter, within the one single batch. And the batch can be very large. 
for example, uh, trading on, on liquidity pools, like Uniswap pools. You do a lot of trades, but at the end, you only pay for one or all the users in the batch will pay for one. So that, that is, that is to data compression. And finally, you can do data extension. Uh, there was the architecture we introduced a long time ago called ZK Porter, which is a variation of, uh, of a Validium system where the data, some of the data does not need to be published on Ethereum. For some accounts or for some specific use cases, you don't need the absolute 100% security inherited from Ethereum. You only need the, the validity of your transactions to be guaranteed by Ethereum so that no one can do wrong things. But the data, maybe it's discardable. Maybe it's you know like just some one-time voting campaign, or maybe it's it's a wallet that you only use for some small, you know, like your current account where you put a little money and you don't want to pay huge fees, but you want to do a lot of cheap transactions. You can use ZK Porter for that. And in our architecture, ZK Porter will be seamlessly interoperable with the ZK rollup, which is not possible again if you if you're using um, a, a transaction inputs. So those are things around just one specific aspect. So Alex, just uh, just kind of from the user perspective, uh, bridging much faster. It it can be instant. That that can't happen in an optimistic rollup. You know, you have kind of seven days, and this will reap many benefits. Uh, just curious on kind of a, a way a user experiences what you just uh, said, that optimization, that efficiency. So if like uh, a mainnet transaction costs a dollar on Ethereum, right? And something like um, an optimistic rollup gets it down to like, you know, 10 cents or maybe five cents or maybe one cent or something. Is our ZK rollups and uh, is, is ZK Sync era going to deliver another order of magnitude, lower cost on transactions? That's one, like, this may be a layman's question to you, but th this is one way users see it. It's like, are my tra transactions going to be cheaper? Another way I, I want to ask the same question is like, um, I, I remember in the early days of um, Arbitrum deploying, they were like, hey, we're deploying mainnet. Um, this is our first deployment. We still have some guardrails on. We have just increased the capacity of Ethereum by one. So we just shipped one more Ethereum's. Uh, and that was easy for, for bankless listeners to understand. And, and then they delivered some efficiency and they were like, now we have three more Ethereums, right? Um, can, can you give us for some record, comparables? seven now, if they're the listeners Okay, curious. so seven Ethereums there. How many Ethereums are we going to get out of uh, ZK Sync? What, how low can our gas fees go? Uh, we, we will get at least as many as optimistic rollups give you. But in addition to that, for it depends on the use case. For, for some transaction types, it will be comparable to optimistic rollups. Just because it's an individual transaction, you still have to pay for it full data availability. But for other transactions, you will have to pay zero fees because the contract will subsidize this transaction. And this is possible with account abstraction. This is possible because it's, we, we support it natively. And the, from the economic perspective for, 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 this, uh, uh, for this protocol, it will make sense because they are only subsidizing it once for all the users because they will be then reusing the same data availability storage. Uh, and th 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 this gives you like hundreds of Ethereum, so thousands of Ethereums. But from the user perspective, like the magic is really, you, you don't have to pay anything. It's like the transaction is completely gas-free. Um, and like th th this is why it was important to implement it natively, unfortunately. Things like uh, EAP uh, 4337 would not allow this today on Ethereum. Even if you use this this relayers, if you if you agree to use this third party relayer, they still cannot do it for externally owned accounts. 
which are most wallets uh, in the network today, but it's possible in the case. So the idea of like how many Ethereums do we get is a very easy way to just imagine this. And the answer is with ZK Sync, we get a lot of Ethereums with with, Z, with ZK Tech. But I really want to double down. Yes, I really want to double down on like that. There's this idea of the sum, the the sum of the parts. I always mess up this phrase. The, the whole, uh, yeah, the is, whole is greater. The whole than is greater than yes. the sum of the parts. Thank you. That's the kickstart I needed. <laughs> and so yes, we get we get more Ethereum's. We get more scale. Uh, things get cheaper. They're also faster. But it's not such a just a linear as like, oh, we can do things cheaper and faster. It, it's more than that. Not only do you get cheaper and faster, which enables new use cases like oracles, uh, we can have more oracles because more oracles become viable. We have more use cases because more use cases become viable. We have native account abstraction because account abstraction becomes viable. We have cross ZK EVM composability because that is now viable. You have instantaneous withdrawals to layer one and that's with uh, now viable. All of these use cases can relate to each other and offer surface area for builders to extract the value out of those interrelations that specifically ZK EVMs create. So understanding like, yeah, we get 10 Ethereums is like a great way to start, but also you get the level of composability that Ethereum created in a zero to one moment from like Bitcoin to Ethereum on the app layer and smart contracts. We have like another zero to one moment in terms of use case composability because of the instantaneous nature of ZK tech across all use cases, in addition to the raw uh, cheapness of the transactions that in its in of itself also unlocks new economic uh, activity. And so I, I like this is a kind of a tough idea to wrap people's head around so like all of these security dependencies but i really think like the whole the sum is greater than the whole of the parts i think it's a great like mental model to be left with when when we walk away from i mean my mental model here david anytime you say that and by the way that, that always gives me shivers when you when you go on your zk evms are amazing uh you know yeah. play it's just like it's gonna feel just like fintech it's gonna yes. feel just like the best fintech platform you've ever used except mm -hmm. now you're not dependent on the banks like, and I'm not saying now, I'm not saying day one, I'm not saying like when you guys release, but when we get account abstraction and smart contracts and everything David already said, we, we develop that app layer, it's just going to feel like a web two app, except it's completely backed by, you know, trust, mm -hmm. uh, trustless guarantees and crypto economic security, which is the amazing thing. Is that about right? Or are we like overselling that it? That is absolutely right. And, and I just, just have one thing to add, like if you throw ZK Porter into this mix, then you, you basically get infinite number of almost Ethereums. In addition <laughs> to like multiplying Ethereums, you also have like this almost Ethereum, where, which is coming very, very close to the security guarantees of Ethereum. Not quite there, but like it's, it's good for, for a lot of uh, good things. And you can get infinitely many of them. So, like, so this infinite part is really important. Like, or, or I should rather say not infinite because it's a mathematical term, limitless. Mm -hmm. We want to get to a point where there are no limits on how many users we can accommodate, how many transactions, how many things can run in parallel. This trustlessly is only possible with ZK Tech. And if we want it to be on Ethereum, then it, it's only possible with ZK EVM so that all the applications can live on all those infinite parallel chains that, that are like, like this multiverse world of multi-rollups interconnected, mm -hmm. interbridgeable. Maybe just to echo something you said there, 
because I think you really captured at least, you know, uh, a sort of reflection of how we think about this that I think is really important to highlight. You know, when you first start thinking about scale, it can feel like an infrastructure problem, right? It can feel like, how do we optimize the system to be able to process lots of transactions, drive down fees? And it can start to feel very much like this is really the way to think about solving the scalability problem. But actually, I don't think that's enough, right? It's account abstraction because if the if we don't address the user experience that I think many of us have like, you know, come to learn to live with at layer one, this isn't for everybody, right? You know, it's still true today that I think the user experience at layer one can feel, uh, you know, janky, awkward, at times even scary. You know, when you're, uh, you know, moving substantial value, this, you you know, it's not a super friendly experience at, at times. And I think it's that sort of combination of both tackling those architecture problems. So, you know, thinking about how you think about performance, thinking about how you drive down fees, but then also, you know, you do need to have an environment in which people can build applications that millions of people will want to use and millions of people won't be, uh, you know, forced to confront some like awkward user experience just to engage with the system. Um, so I do think, you know, what, what we're working towards, you kind of have as an infrastructure problem, but as a user experience problem as well. And I think account abstraction is like a critically important part of solving that part. Yeah, well said, well said, Anthony. And I really just want to drive this point home one more time. Like Ryan and I, infinitely bullish on optimistic rollups. We we love all of our layer twos. Uh, but linear scaling is not going to be like the quote unquote broadband moment that made the internet into what it is today. Like once upon a time, Internet 1.0 was a text-based forum experience where JPEGs loaded over 10 minutes, right? And now we have YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. That was a broadband moment. That was a zero to one paradigm shift. Uh, and, you know, optimistic rollups are great for adding, you know, single digit more Ethereums to layer twos. But really, like it, the linear scale isn't really going to take uh, this revolution that we are all trying to make people uh, feel into the mainstream. And it's really going to take uh, what is, uh, you know, more, more than 10 Ethereums, but then also the second order consequences that I, that I also illustrated. So uh, th this is just what I really want to impress upon listeners about why this ZK cryptography magic is, is so impactful. Uh, Alex, Anthony, I want to ask you a few more questions in a couple of different categories. Uh, Polygon ZK EVM, hot on your guys' heels. We want to talk about how ZK Sync's era is different. What, are you, what is the era chain optimized for? What have you guys really emphasized here and prioritized? And what is your competitive differentiator between the other ZK uh, EVMs that are coming onto the scene? Uh, and so I want to ask about that. And overall, just like, where does this go from here? What are the next st steps? What are the short-term goals and, and long-term milestones that we should all be paying attention to as this scene develops? But first, before we get to these conversations, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Bankless Station, we are back with Alex and Anthony of ZK Sync of Matter Labs with a brand new ZK Sync era mainnet launch. Once again, congratulations, guys. Uh, Alex, I've, I've heard over and over and over again that you have this incredible backstory uh, and, and why trustless cryptography is so important to you. I've been hounding you for a podcast for now for a while now, and we'll eventually get that one recorded. But I, I want to ask you about how ZK Sync era has come to express certain priorities. What, what is it really doubling down on? What makes it unique? Uh, there are so many other not so many. There are other ZK EVMs that are coming onto mainnet. I believe ZK Sync might be first. I think that's right. Uh, but why is ZK Sync era different than the alternatives that are out there on the scene? 
I can highlight a few things which I think are, are really at the core of ZK-Sync. And uh, I think that makes them different. I mean, there might be other projects who also want to embrace these this ideas and implement them, who will be really happy to see the space uh, getting richer through it. But I think what, what defines us is the these three core priorities. Number one, alignment with, on ethos with Ethereum, with the general crypto community. We are here for a mission. We have always been there for a mission and will always be there for a mission. It's not a commercial project in the first place. It's it's a mission-driven project. It's a mission. We're not a company. We are really a mission. Uh, our mission is to accelerate the mass adoption of crypto or to say it's simpler, to scale freedom. We're in it for freedom because freedom is the uh, what empowers people, what, what, what creates wealth, what creates... Uh, fairness in the world, what, what lets people uh, you know, defend themselves against corrupt regimes, corrupt uh, institutions, and so on. So like, freedom is, is everything that, like the, the end goal and also the way we operate. The Meta Labs, the company, the, our team is structured in a way that everyone has uh, very broad autonomy, very broad ownership over, over topics, and, uh, and they, they, they own them um, and have freedom to operate the way they want. So freedom is number one. Uh, and ethos. Uh, number two is we are um, we prioritize security. It's really important for us. Like we understand that this is a space where there is basically no margin for error, and you can't rush and you can't cut corners because one big mistake can throw the entire space like years back because the trust can be undermined. So we're we're taking security very seriously and we we are like we are anti-hype in this regard we always emphasize this we always push we always like from from all the choices that we can make we take the one which is most safe now that doesn't guarantee that like things will not happen and like this is again my my uh attempt to 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 convince everyone to take things slower not rush experiment with only with with like this very high risk awareness so security is number two. And number three is we are in for a very long run. We understand that this space will only succeed if we all run marathon, not a sprint. So we are building things for the future. That might set us back slightly in the beginning. Like, you know, like we, we're not going for a fully VM equivalence. It would obviously be easier to just like go for fully VM equivalence and have like all the applications not like not to have to change a single line of code. But no one is really doing that. No one no one can do that. Like the, the, some modifications are required in any rollup, in no matter optimistic or ZK. It's just the degree of the modifications that varies. And we're not going to optimize that part. We are optimizing for the future, not for the past. So this future orientedness is the third priority. So to, to recap, values, uh, security, and uh, building for the future. Alex, we're on this new frontier. There's a bunch of new use cases that we're all very excited about. There's also new risks. Uh, and so as users come and use ZK Sync, as builders build on ZK Sync, what are the new concerns? What are the new risks that they might need to be uh, informed about? Um, this, certainly, uh, there are, let, let's begin with this. Like, this is a brand new technology. So we have like just basic systematic risks of like any smart contract that you deploy uh, needs to be tested with time. You know, like recently we had a uh, 
back in uh, Euler uh, finance that has been live there for eight months and it has been audited and, and there was still this bug and, and it was later exploited. So you, you, you need time, you need to put a significant stake at risk and, and then like battle test it. Uh, but then um, even that is not enough. You, 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 have, you, you want to put in more mechanisms, more mitigations, like layers of security. Like if one thing fails, you all, always want backup things to, to rely on. But like things happen, even, even planes can, can, can fall, you know. Like, so like even if you take it with uh, the most conservative approach, these complex systems have inherent risks. It's really hard to predict where in the complex system risk can, can, can materialize. So that, that's why you want to build systems that are as simple as possible, as isolated as possible. If you have multiple subsystems, they should work through clearly defined interfaces and you want some guards between those interfaces. Uh, but like really from the end user perspective, it's, it's hard to say what can go wrong. You know, so uh, the basically the 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 this, the only sane approach would be like take things carefully. Yeah, my uh, my, my take on this is how we end every Bankless podcast. By the way, we're not ending right now, but uh, recall <laughs> Bankless Nation what we say: crypto is risky, DeFi is risky. You could lose what you put in. This is the frontier, right? And that's really where we are. We're on the frontier of the frontier with some of this ZK uh, EVM technology. And we wouldn't rather be anywhere else. <laughs> this is where we want to be. And yet at the same time, uh, you're explorers and you know uh, things can happen on the frontier for sure. Um, one, I, I think, uh, I guess trade-off or a uh, decision point for any roll-up team to make is kind of this trade-off between security and decentralization. And maybe that's not even the right, the, the right vector, but uh, a lot of teams have needed to keep um, access uh, like maybe we'll call it root level access to be able to make changes and modifications to a, a rollup in case something goes wrong, in case funds are locked and that sort of thing. Can you talk to us about the path towards full decentralization? Because I have to imagine this is somewhat similar to other rollup um, implementations in that stage one is not fully decentralized yet. You have some safeguards in place. You have some training wheels in, in place. And we... We would probably expect that, right? I mean, you want to make sure that you can uh, unlock the keys if you lock them in the car. Um, Anthony, I'm wondering if you could talk about this path to decentralization and and uh, how zk Sync is thinking about this. Maybe if you allow me to to, to begin, uh, uh, because I, I was part of this journey with zk Sync uh, version one, which we can now call zk Sync Lite, and I just just want to talk, touch a little bit on on those. Points. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I I would say like this is a choice or dilemma between. Um, security and trustlessness, not so much decentralization. At this point, like decentralization is, is, is a broader concept, but here you're really asking yourself, am I going to keep um, some trust assumptions with, on the team or do I want to go fully trustless, but then no one can intervene and, and fix my problems? That's right. So we encountered that back uh, when we launched the, the first rollup, uh, ZK Sync Lite, the uh, ZK rollup specialized in payments. Uh, the very first version was completely immutable with uh, a time-locked upgradability where we, the team could propose an upgrade, uh, but there was no way for us to accelerate it. It, was, it would take several weeks and uh, the users would have an option to, uh, to withdraw from uh, layer 2 to layer 1 fully permissionlessly without any censorship through layer 1 uh, 
emergency uh, hatch or like the priority queue. Uh, we then realized that it's not going to, uh, it, it, it's not prudent to do this because there was a vulnerability and we, we had to, uh, to make an upgrade and luckily everything was fine. But like we realized it, it's, it's really important um, to go slower and introduce some trust assumptions in the system. So, so that because the probability of a bug is much higher initially at least. For, even from the user perspective, from external user perspective, then the probability that the team is going to be corrupt. So for the alpha, we decided that we, we just going to introduce the uh, instant upgradability for, for the case of era. Uh, for, uh, uh, for light, what we did was we came up with the concept of security council. We, we were the first to introduce this idea where we said, let's summon a group of highly trusted community members from Ethereum community. We had 15 of them. And uh, it will require their permission and approval to accelerate an upgrade for an emergency use case. Like if there is an emergency, then the team can propose an upgrade, the security council can approve it, and then it goes faster on the fast track, bypassing the, this upgradability uh, time lock. And this is the next stage which we will use for ERA. After we feel that the, 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 the protocol is stable enough and mature enough, we will transition to Security Council. But we don't want to stop there because the Security Council is also a, um, you know, there is, is this like, set of people that can, can basically do anything with the protocol. Even though it's a broad set of people, we, it's not what we want the crypto to be. So for, for the ultimate vision, we can imagine, um, going beyond that and lowering trust assumptions even further. So for example, we could say that the security council can only initiate freezing of the protocol, not immediately upgrading, but only freezing for a short period of time. And then we could rely on the broader protocol governance to decide what's going to happen with, with, the, with this problem. Is this a real problem or was the security council corrupt? If it was a real problem, then the, the governance can approve an upgrade path forward. And we can go in even further from there. What if the governance, if you know, like if we have some broad community uh, participating through, I don't know, some means to decentralize it, maybe we have a token, maybe we have like we have, we have to to like the token holders have to vote for it. But what if the majority of the token holders is, is again corrupt? Then we would like we, we need we need to save the minority because that, that's what crypto is standing for full trustlessness, not relying on all its majorities. So eventually we can build a system where the security council could freeze the contracts and then it would take the soft fork of the layer one itself to resolve the conflict if, if there is uh, any problem there. So th this is my rough thinking. Uh, I see that uh, Ryan wants to ask something. But no, maybe, I was just uh, going to say that's really cool. Um, you know, well spelled out, and we're I guess we're in the first stage where the team still has uh, some of the control, and then you're moving to Security Council later, and then you limit the powers of the Security Council, and then you have some sort of governance uh, coordination, and then ultimately it's kind of fork ch choice rule in the same way that uh, Ethereum or Bitcoin are on the mainnet. That's pretty cool. Anthony, do you have anything to add to this? I mean, I think Alex has summed it up really nicely, but one thing to say, maybe just to, to try and be unambiguous, like the plan for the alpha label is essentially to be a very strong signal to the community, to developers, to users, 
about our sort of internal security posture and confidence in the state of the system. We aren't expecting, for example, there to be sort of this uh, journey through the Greek alphabet of like, now we're alpha, now we're in beta. It's really more, this, once this, as long as this alpha label is attached to the system, this is meant to kind of imply that we're in this early phase where there are these trust assumptions. I mean, you can look at tools. I think there's this, um, uh, maybe many people are familiar with this uh, really beautiful page put together by the L2B team regarding sort of risks across the L2 space. Phenomenally helpful and a huge amount of work has gone to try and distill a lot of this sort of complexity when, when people have to think about the risk in these systems. But even, you know, you look at that tool and you realize the problem for users is uh, A, there's many of these systems and B, the the risk space is complex. And to have like a, a principled, uh, you know, internal opinion on the risks of all of these different systems when you're not an expert is extremely difficult. And I would say maybe even impossibly difficult for most users because the opportunity cost of even reading, you know, every single one of these things is, is extremely high. So for us, the alpha label is our signal to the community about like our posture here. And we will attempt to be extremely unambiguous when we're talking about risk. Uh, and we're talking about, uh, you know, and we'll be releasing a huge amount more. Security, as Alex mentioned before, is uh, always uh, top of mind for us. And I think we've got a track record at this point of, of that being, you know, us having a serious commitment to that. Um, but it's that alpha label that will we'll attempt to distill everything into it to a degree. For users. Okay. By nature of this new technology, this new frontier, the risks are present today, yet there is still a bunch of building to do in the app layer with all the builders. And so all the cool, fun stuff that we can imagine in the future still needs to be built, yet uh, the, the the risks are always here on day one. So that is always just a word of caution for, for all the users out there. But Anthony, with all of this uh, future state of the you know Ethereum's broadband moment, everything that ZK tech can really unlock for Ethereum, what do builders need to know? Uh, there's so much left, there's so much room for activities on ZK Sync. Uh, how do builders find out what they need to do to, in order to start building on ZK Sync? And where's the top of the funnel for this rabbit hole for the builders? Yeah, this is an excellent question. So um, I would say, you know, if you wanted to get started as a builder on ZK Sync, we have uh, overhauled all of our documentation in the sort of build up towards uh, this moment and over the last few months. And we've also attempted to be thoughtful about how we, uh, you know, consider the focus for this documentation. So much overlaps in terms of what you can do with L1, given the EVM compatibility. So you'll see that where we've deviated from L1 or where we have sort of, uh, you know, new things available at L2, there'll be uh, just a much richer set of documentation. You know, we focused on things like account abstraction, things like uh, bridges. Um, so in terms of the documentation, there is a, a lot, there is also a lot of, uh, focus on the specifics, uh, that become available for you when you're thinking about working on, on ZK Sync era. Um, beyond that, we have an extremely active and passionate, uh, community. The discord is very, very active. We're growing, you know, DevRel and dev experience teams. So we have both, you know, a highly engaged community, but also lots of technical support. Um, and so for sort of real-time conversations about, you know, I have this idea, I, I'm thinking through how I implement this on ZK Sync, or I've run into this issue and I'm trying to work, work my way through it. Um, there's multiple channels, but, but definitely the, the Discord is, uh, fun and helpful. Uh, mm -hmm. so both technical support and, uh, you know, lots of interesting community memes and 
bits and pieces. Well, we will get the, the links to the Discord and the docs into the show notes. But, and also, Anthony, what's the, the link for the users out there, the, the ecosystem applications link where they can go check all of those out? If you could just say that one more time. Yeah, sure. So uh, if anyone wants to see the state of what they can um, engage with on the system today, it's just ecosystem, uh, ecosystem.zksync.io. Um, this will be a page with uh, very frequent updates in the coming weeks as, as more and more builders deploy and configure applications. And yeah, things become available for, for users to test. Basically, users can find all links from zksync.io. It's, it's the central hardware they will get. Yeah. Right Beautiful. Alex, Anthony, thank you so much for walking us through this announcement. This is extremely exciting. There's a new frontiers, and we love this frontier metaphor here on Bankless. Uh, not too many people know that ZK Sync was actually one of the first ZK rollups, not EVM, ZK rollups, where people could process payments. I remember using it back in 2019 on Gitcoin. So it was uh, a, a way that I got started uh, bootstrapping my own content production here in the Ethereum ecosystem. And, and Ryan would uh, run in the Bankless uh, Gitcoin as well. So we have thanks to give you guys for that as well. Uh, Alex, I know you've been in this space a very long time. Anthony, you're a little bit newer, but I know that the, this topic is very, very large and very, very big. Is there anything that we haven't touched on yet today in the show that, that we absolutely must before we close out here? I would just add that uh, we're still growing our team. And uh, if you are feeling like you want to help us scale Ethereum and create this trustless future, please check out the, the job to, uh, jobs that we have open on our website. I'm sure there's a, a lot of milestones and developments ahead of us. Um, when might one of those milestones involve a token? Um, he as had soon to ask, as the guys. token is really needed. You had to ask. So, but we we have we 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 are like the the next things that we're focusing on is really decentralization. So the making the system fully permissionless, removing any points of trust, any points of uh, central control that is to remain, um, and then also in parallel improving performance, improving security, implementing new mechanisms, uh, in new features. So what I'm hearing from order. that is uh, the when token conversation is similar to the when decentral de decentralized answer, perhaps. Um, yeah, when when necessary. When necessary. <laughs> when, necessary. <laughs> when necessary. Anthony, Alex, it's actually one of the most clear answers we've ever gotten from a, a layer two. Team when token, so far. when it's when necessary. Token. Wow. When it's necessary. Just, <laughs> just that's it. Well said. Alex, Anthony, thank you guys so much for joining us on Bankless today. I appreciate it. Thanks, thank Alex. Bankless Nation, got to end with this. None of this has been financial advice, of course. Your standard risk and disclaimers apply as with anything in crypto, even more so when you're on the frontier. But crypto is risky. So is DeFi. So are new rollups. You could lose what you put in. But we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the Bankless journey. Thanks a lot. <laughs>